Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. I am so excited in this episode to welcome the lovely Sonia Belagic, Director of Marketing Engagement at the Brotherhood of St. Lawrence. She's had an incredible career in leadership positions at some of the most iconic brands you're ever likely to hear. She's been Head of Marketing at Walt Disney Studios, Head of Marketing at Cricket Australia, a Director at Treasury Wine Estates, and she's also a lecturer at Swinburne University. Whew. That's a lot of responsibility and what seems a lot of hard work. In our chat, I ask Sonia what it means to be a leader and if all of us can be one, whether she's ever found herself completely overwhelmed and how she balances her different roles with her personal life. My first question to Sonia, what's led her to achieve the success she's had in her career? Gosh, that's a big question. And I don't think there's actually a simple response, is there, for anyone, not just uh, in you asking me. I suppose reflecting on it, I think you make choices through life that lead you to where you are. And if I think about the choices I've made, it started way back when, when I was 16. And uh, my father decided to take me to some psych testing to work out what I should do. (laughs) And out of that process, the uh, consultant said, you know what, I reckon you should do marketing. Go to Monash, do a marketing degree and live happily ever after. And that's what I did. Wow. Yeah, so I was pretty clear around what I wanted to do um, at that point and so actively then took that approach, went to university, got my degree and actively then sought out roles um, to apply my skills in marketing. So that's how, you know, I've ended up in marketing. That's how I've ended up where I am now. But I think, you know, the point of that is around really having clarity about what you're trying to achieve and what you're, you're heading for because without that, you know, it just makes it harder to work out where you're going. So I've, I was fortunate that I had that at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, I think, you know, just being active in terms of choices around roles and organisations that I thought would actually expand my skills, expand my knowledge and make me more valuable mm-hmm. as an employee and a staff member to be able to then really drive uh, results in the organisations that I moved into. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, I think, what's led me to where I am. Wow, it sounds like you're actually really strategic. Yeah, I'm pretty, well, I wouldn't say strategic, but more, more just clear-minded around visualising where I need to get to and then working out how to get there. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, that makes sense. To me, having known you for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. it's like you've always been in marketing mm-hmm. and you do some amazing work. Mm-hmm. Is there sacrifices you need to give up for making the strategic choices that you've made in roles? Of course. (laughs) And everyone in a job uh, makes choices and sacrifices. I think the kind of organisations that have attracted me and that I gravitate to are ones where there's a real change agenda going on, 
where there's either something to grow or something to fix or something to, to change. Uh, so I gravitate to those probably because of the fact that, you know, being part of that's pretty exciting, but also knowing that you can add value and to get that sense of fulfillment looking back once you've spent some time there to go, wow, I've created that or I've, I've delivered that value. Um, but when you move into change environments, it's not easy yeah. and it takes a lot of your time, you know, and so what you sacrifice is time. So if I think about, you know, the, the stresses that I have in life, it really boils down to just not having enough time <laughs> yeah. um, as opposed to making a conscious choice that I'll choose a role where perhaps I do have more time. So it's all about choices um, and it's all about the sacrifices you want to make. And, you know, I've chosen to perhaps sacrifice a little bit of self-time and perhaps time on some leisure activities uh, in order to kind of pursue the kind of roles that I know will give me more fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you have led small teams, large teams, mm-hmm. a whole variety of teams yeah. uh, in high-profile organisations, which is can be tricky. But what do you think makes someone a good leader and why are you a good leader? Uh, you make an assumption on the second point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what makes a leader, um, I mean, implicitly, a leader implies that you're leading and someone's following. So I think, you know, that would suggest that people are following and therefore what's it take to make people follow. And if I think about the old days, perhaps, perhaps <laughs> the, the late, you know, mid 80s to early 90s and how I kind of first experienced my roles, you know, that very managerial hierarchical, dictatorship way of uh, approaching leadership. Um, You can't do that now. People want to be inspired and be led, not told what to do. So I think that then puts the onus on leaders to say, how do you actually inspire people to want to follow you and do what you ask them of? Even if they're direct reports of you, they're still not necessarily going to do what you ask. And even if they do it, they'll begrudgingly do it. And there's ramifications of that because Eventually, they'll become, um, you know, negative about the change that you're trying to drive or what you're asking of them and potentially leave. And that's not what you want as a leader. You want people to actually want to be following you and want to be staying with the organisation. So how do you really connect with people's motivation and inspire them to to do the kind of things that you're seeking for them to do? So really, it's about the people thing. It comes down to people. So, you know, you can be killing it. You can be performing, overachieving. But if you're not thinking about how... Uh, you're inspiring people to deliver, then you're not going to succeed. And in fact, there's a book, uh, there's a really good book that an old HR director gave me. It's called The Leadership Pipeline. And I remember she gave it to me early in my career when I was one of those dictatorial managers. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really insightful because in that book, it speaks about uh, having six different passages in your career towards leadership and it speaks about starting off as an individual contributor then moving on to managing a person managing a team managing a function and so on and so on and that fundamentally at each point it's not a straight line trajectory to leadership at each point of change is a fundamental opposite direction you need to take and how you then need to fundamentally change your approach so um you know, I learnt through experience, some tough experiences, um, the lessons in that book, as well as practically reading the book. But it speaks about, you know, how as you move through your career, as you become more senior, that people aspect, that ability to inspire people to want to follow is so much more important compared to when you first start out, when it's just more about performance and delivery. That's how you're assessed, as opposed to later being assessed on how you lead people. 
It sounds like that was a great book, quite yeah. career-shaping for it you. It was, yeah. yeah. What practical steps do you take? If you've come into a new role, yep. new team, yep. what are some of the fundamentals that you do to bring the team together so that they do want to follow you and your vision? Yeah, sure. Gosh, it's not one step, it's a bunch of steps. Um, I think firstly, actually building rapport and connecting with the team. Um, I think gone are the days of, you know, marching in and I'm the leader and I know best are gone. So it's really about, you know, spending time with people and, and building rapport and positioning yourself as working with and for actually the people that you're supposed to be leading, not the other way around. You're there to support them, do their job. So how do you have a conversation that elicits what they need from you? And how do you then deliver that? So I think, you know, sitting down with people, understanding their personal motivations as well is important apart from what they need in their job to succeed. Some people, you know, enjoy, you know, having the freedom to just, you know, draw their own approach to how to get a job done. Other people need more guidance and a a bit more stepped out manner of doing it. Other people get off on, um, you know, delivering ahead of budget and ahead of time and others, you know, that's just not important at all. So what personally motivates people? So that's important. And then obviously um, using that or leveraging that insight to deliver. So if someone's looking for something um, from work and from a personal perspective, how do you actually deliver on that? I think then from a team point of view, it's around, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Being clear about what the objective is and more importantly, the why. What, what's the burning platform for why we're all working hard, doing the overtime, you know, getting stressed out? Why are we doing that? You have shown that being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Do you think it's becoming easier for women to thrive in business or do you feel like there's still some specific challenges for women? Oh, gosh. Um, There's absolutely still challenges for women. Uh, I think, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock and not watching the media to understand the challenges that different women face in various different work environments. And still the expectations of women from an older time uh, are still there, yet they're trying to be professionals. But if I think about the challenges of women, they're not too dissimilar from men, to tell you the truth. You know, it's it's about time management at the end of the day, and it's about choices you make. Um, and then the happiness you get from the choices you make. So that affects both men and women. If I think about today's day and age versus, you know, yesteryear, you know, I reflect on my parents' generation. I reflect on me growing up. And, you know, my parents didn't really much expect more than VCE. These days, though, we, you know, we expect VCE is the hygiene factor and that, you know, most of our kids actually go to, to uni or some other kind of accelerated study. So you've got that kind of lifted expectation um, that's changed, I think, over the last couple of decades. And, you know, social media has also meant we compare ourselves more so with others and go, oh, gosh, are we good enough? Are we, are we succeeding enough? And that lifts our, our stress around also having to perform. So I think it actually probably is harder because we've got more ways of comparing ourselves to others, which adds stress and makes us feel perhaps, you know, not as um, successful. Uh, And we have lifted our aspirations, which adds more stress. But at the end of the day, we're making those choices. No one's doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves. So I think that's probably one of the things that I'm grappling with. And, you know, there's a conversation between me and my husband, actually, is about, you know, you make your choice to work hard. You make your choice to not ever have enough time for X, Y, and Z. And you stop and pause and go, okay, why why am I doing that? And what's important to me? So I think people stopping and going, what's important? And making time for that is really the key, I think, to happiness. 
And you you talked about that you don't have much time. Yeah. So how do you choose to spend yours when you're off from work? Well, I don't have time, um, and a lot of people will say that. But, you know, like I said about my husband, he'll say, well, you're your own worst enemy. You know, you're doing that to yourself, and he's absolutely right. And so I kind of go, well, why am, why am I doing that? And it's probably because I get fulfillment from delivering, fulfillment from, you know, succeeding. So working hard and not ever having time because I'm consumed by ensuring that I'm doing good or, you know, helping my kids or, you know, ensuring, you know, I'm a good partner and getting dinner on the way home. That's all taking my time. And so what do you sacrifice? You sacrifice time for yourself because you're trying to help and serve others. And whilst that's incredibly frustrating and everyone gripes about how they've got no time, there is a sense of satisfaction that you get from the fact that you see your kids prosper, you see your husband happy, and actually that's actually fulfilling for me. So I'm making that choice to not have time because I'm getting a reward in a different way. Um, so it's kind of perverse, really. <laughs> but but you, when you stop and analyse it, no one's forcing me to not have enough time. I'm making choices around my use of time. Yeah. Mm. I love that you're owning that. There's lots of people that complain about not having enough time mm-hmm. but they actually don't do anything to change it Yeah, but you're just owning it and going I've made these choices and therefore I'm prioritising based on that. Exactly right, exactly right and you know I, I am a mum of two kids at the moment and for me at the moment whilst I do have kids in the household they're a priority, I'll put my time there. They won't be around much longer and then I'll have lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> well so you think. <laughs> so I think. But you know it's about choices at moments in time through your life and that will change and evolve and being a leader in any organization can feel lonely Mm -hmm. have you felt that loneliness absolutely what do you do to combat that ah what do i combat um i mean obviously there's ways that you can kind of sense check whether you're on the right track obviously asking your boss am i on the right track seeking feedback from others whether it be staff or colleagues um, inviting them to give you open feedback to see if you're on the right track but at the end of the day, also just being genuine about what do you believe in. And even though everyone's unhappy about something, if you genuinely believe in it, you'll hold that line and, and persevere. Not bloody-minded persevere, but if you genuinely think something's true, then you've got an obligation to deliver on that. So, you know, marketing capacity, for instance, you know, we do customer research and all sorts of uh, insights gathering. Sometimes getting that insight and sharing it with an organisation can actually be a bit confronting. But do I step away from my obligation to share that because it actually will deliver value to the organisation? No, because that's what I'm being employed to do. So sometimes, yeah, what you do in your work doesn't always get met in a positive way. But if you're doing it for the right reasons, then you've got to still do it. Yeah, absolutely. And what advice would you give to anyone who might be struggling to thrive in their role or in a business in an organisation? Stop. Yep. So if you're struggling, just stop and pause and and really reflect on why am I struggling here and get to the guts of what that is. You know, whether you're struggling with time, whether you're struggling with performing well, whether you're struggling, whatever that is, just really stop and just face it and own it. And once again, might be really uncomfortable. It might be you're struggling to get the results that you're seeking. Why don't you ask for some feedback from someone that might get you a perspective on why is that? But being blind to what's going on or choosing not to hear it, you'll continue to struggle as opposed to just face into it. And once you face into it, you can own it and then change it. So I think just stop and assess it. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of people run faster Mm -hmm. to try and fix it, but they don't know what they're fixing. That's right. And then it's more stress and more time consuming and you just end up exhausted and fall in a heap as opposed to just stop and pause 
Yeah, I like that. And once again, go to, you know, what's your objective? What are you trying to achieve? Where do you get fulfillment? And does this calibrate? Yeah, so you might be struggling and getting frustrated and just really dejected and just really negative, going home really just, you know, in a bad way. Is that really what you want to be doing? Just stop and reassess. And guess what? It's work. What do the people say when you're lying in your deathbed? You don't talk about work. Mm. You've got to keep things in perspective. And I know that might sound a little bit flippant, especially when people are trying to feed families and pay mortgages and stuff. I get it. But there are other work opportunities. So move. Mm. Don't feel trapped by what you're doing now. Move to something that is better for you. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. What a pleasure it is talking to you. Thank you, Emma. I really resonate with you because you're so logical (laughs) common sense practical and thank you so much for being a guest for us i am sure that the audience will resonate with all the things you've talked about and i can see why we get on you're really into clarity results all of that kind of stuff but also being passionate about what you're doing and if you're not passionate anymore get out get out do something else exactly right so thank you so much for your time thanks for the opportunity So that's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. Sonia shared so many incredible insights. It's such a privilege to speak with Sonia and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you love this episode, I appreciate it if you could leave a review. And if you ever want to contact me or have tea with me or coffee, if that's your thing, head to my website, mmmcqueen.com.au. It's also where you'll order my new book, Go Getter, Raise Your Mojo, Shift Your Mindset and Thrive. I'm looking forward to speaking to you soon. 